Thank you, Wendy. Good morning, everybody. Let's pray as we start this this morning. Lord, thank you that we can gather together from our scattered places of worship. Lord, we can gather together as church here this morning. Lord, thank you that we can worship you. We can be encouraged by one another. Lord, that we can delve into your word and discover what that might mean for us as this community of Christ church. Lord, I pray that you challenge us all this morning in your name. Amen. So we are second week in to our Belong series, hashtag we are church, looking at what it means to belong to this church family. Mark set the scene last week where he said that the church is not this physical building. We, each of us here, combined together, we are the church. So what does it mean to belong to each other? What does it mean for us to have community with one another, unity between one another? And that's what we are looking at for this series up until Easter. And today we hit quite practically on a way that we can show community amongst each other. How we can belong with each other. And we're going to look at eating. I'm so glad that Steve wrote me on for this one. I want to set the scene as to why eating was so important for Jesus... And why it was so important for the culture of the time which Jesus lived amongst. Jesus calls himself, on a number of occasions, the Son of Man. A name that Jesus gives himself. And there's three times in the New Testament where this phrase is finished. The Son of Man came... First time is this. It is in Mark 10. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Why did Jesus come? He didn't come for us to serve him, even though we now do as a consequence of what he did. His initial reason for coming was not to be served, but to serve us in dying for us, giving his life as a ransom for many. That is the basic gospel premise of why I'm sure many of us are here. If you want to explore more what that looks like, then please speak to me or Steve afterwards. We would love to describe to you what the gospel of Jesus Christ looks like in more depth. But the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The second phrase is the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I was lost, but Jesus found me. I was searching for meaning, purpose. I was searching for what the truth looked like. And Jesus gave me meaning. Jesus gave me purpose. And Jesus showed me that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We are all lost, and Jesus, the Son of Man, came to seek and save each and every one of us here, and each and every one of us across this entire globe. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Both those two are why Jesus came. They show his purpose. They show the reason behind his coming. 
The final phrase shows his method. And I love this. Oh, you've put up too early. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Jesus came to redeem us, to save us all, to save the lost, to save those who are destitute. And how did he come about doing that? He came eating and drinking. Amen. Yes. Why do I follow Jesus? I follow Jesus for all those three reasons. Because I know that he came to save me. I know that he has come to save you. And why do I follow him? Because I know that I can emulate his ministry strategy. Because his ministry strategy was in people's homes and around the table. A quarter of Jesus' ministry was spent, that we've got recorded at least, is spent in people's homes and around the table. Nothing, nowhere, no location beats the amount of time that Jesus spent in people's homes and around the table. You might think, hang on a minute, Jesus preached and ministered in the synagogues. Yes, he did. Not as much time as he spent around the table. Jesus ministered in and around the lakes and the shores of lakes. Yes, not as much time as he spent in people's homes and around the table. In the mountains, on the roads, in the cities, he did all that. But he spent the most amount of time ministering to people in their homes and around the table. This is Jesus' ministry strategy of how to build community and how also, as a consequence, we won't talk about this particularly today, how to go on mission. But we're going to focus on what it looks like to be community. So I want to do that by looking at five ways that I see in the Gospels why Jesus shares meals with people. And I'm going to go through those five ways, give you some examples, and then we're going to apply each of those examples to how we, ourselves, as a community together, as church, can apply it and use it. So, why did Jesus share meals with people? My first reason is this, because he wanted to demonstrate God's love and hospitality. He wanted to demonstrate God's love and God's hospitality. The reading that was read to us before speaks of a situation where Jesus has gone into a Pharisee's house to eat a meal. A Pharisee is meant to be this upstanding religious person who adheres to all the laws in the Torah and who is the example for the Jewish people to follow. But the Pharisees had lost their way. And Jesus eats many times in Pharisee's house. Anyway, he's in this Pharisee's house called Simon. And when someone arrived at the home to have a meal, two things always happened, and possibly a third, depending on how wealthy the host was. The two things that always happened was this. You would get your feet washed. Consider the times and the place that Jesus lived. It was hot. It was dusty. People wore sandals. The roads had lots of sand and dust on them. As you arrived at someone's house, your feet were dirty. Sand had stuck to them. And your guest, a good guest at least, one who wanted to show hospitality and love, would kneel down, get a bowl out, and wash the guest's feet. We hear Simon does not do this. 
Simon the Pharisee. Secondly, you would greet your guest with a kiss, similar to our handshake today. And if you had money, you would also anoint your guests with lovely smelling oil. They didn't have showers in the way that we have showers today. People would have been a bit sweaty, it's hot, a bit smelly. And so when you had a guest round to dinner, so that the environment was nice in dinner, you would anoint them with nice smelling oil. Did Simon do that? We hear no. So, um, so Jesus is in this house with this Pharisee. None of those things has happened. And Jesus is sharing a meal. And this sinful lady comes in. We don't know specifically what her sins were, but we imagine that she is a street worker. From the way that it is described, we see that 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 was her way of life. And she lets down her hair, which is an intimate act between husband and wife. No other man apart from your husband would have seen the wife's hair let down. But this is a way that this lady knows how to show love. So she lets down her hair and she starts weeping at Jesus' feet. She knows that she is a sinner. She knows that she needs redemption. And her tears wash Jesus' feet and her hair scrubs his feet. This lady is showing hospitality to Jesus, even though it's not her house. She then kisses Jesus' feet. She kisses them and kisses them, like Simon, as host, should have done. And then she gets this jar of perfume and anoints Jesus with this sweet-smelling perfume. This is her showing love and hospitality to Jesus. But Jesus shares meals to show love and hospitality as well. And how does he show love to this lady? He allows her to do this to him. The Pharisees are going mad. There is an unclean person in my house. We we don't do that. These types of people do not come into my house and they do not share meals with me. But Jesus welcomes her, allows her to show him love and in return is hospitable and shows love to her and says, your sins are forgiven. And they share foods together. The second reason is this. Jesus shares meals to break down social barriers. There are a number of occasions, but I'm going to highlight two where this happens. Jesus goes and eats with tax collectors. We see it once where Jesus calls Levi to be his disciple. He then goes and eats in Levi's house. We then more commonly know the story of Zacchaeus, where Jesus goes and eats in Zacchaeus' house. Street workers and tax collectors are the lowest of the low in Jewish society. Tax collectors were frauds. They were liars. They stole off the hard-working Jewish people. And Jesus shares meals with them. Even though that would make him unclean, even though against, it goes against the Torah, the Jewish law, Jesus wants to break down social barriers. Because the Pharisees would have known this verse, but they seem to have forgotten it. In Isaiah 25, 
Isaiah promises a feast. And it says that the great banquet will involve all people, all nations, all faces, and all the earth. Jesus breaks down social barriers by eating with those the Pharisees would have not. Jesus eats with these tax collectors. He shows them love and he breaks down social barriers. Thirdly, Jesus displays gospel values. Many of us will know the story where Jesus feeds the 5,000, which in reality is actually more like 15,000 people. It's 5,000 men. Men were recorded, but probably 15,000 people with the women and the children. Jesus has been teaching and preaching all day to them, and they don't seem to be leaving to go and get tea. And Jesus says, hmm, what can we do? In his mind, the disciples are probably thinking, well, he should send them home to go and have their dinner. But Jesus wants to show gospel values of feeding people. And he says to his disciples, we need to feed this crowd. They clearly think it's impossible. But Jesus does the miraculous of turning a few fish and loaves into a meal that feeds them to excess with food left over. Jesus demonstrates gospel values when he feeds those who need it most. He feeds those who he sees and he loves them. The people in front of him, he wants to care for them by feeding them. There's a parable later on in Luke where Jesus says, don't invite the wealthy to your house for food. Invite those who are poor. Invite those who are in need. Show gospel values. Fourthly, Jesus eats with his friends. We see this when Jesus goes and sees Mary and Martha. He eats with Mary and Martha and his disciples. He wants to spend time with those closest to him. He wants to eat with friends. And as part of that, he wants friends, if they have issues between one another, if that needs reconciliation, he wants forgiveness to occur as he eats with those friends. Martha is really annoyed with Mary because Mary's sitting listening to Jesus teach and Martha's doing all the preparation of the cooking in the kitchen. And she's annoyed with Mary that Mary's not helping her. But Jesus says, just forgive her. Come and dwell in my presence. Be with your friends. And finally, discipleship. Why does Jesus share meals with people? Because he wants to disciple them, teach them. We see this at the end of Luke. Jesus has died, he's been resurrected, and he has come back, and he meets with some of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he shows them by opening the scriptures that he is God. That he has fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies about him and that he is the Messiah. And how does he do that? He does that on the walk with them and over a meal with them as he breaks bread with them. So why does Jesus share meals with people? To demonstrate God's love, 
to break down social barriers, to show gospel values, to eat with friends, and also to disciple those he is eating with. What could our community look like if we practiced all those five things? What could our community, we here as Christ Church, what could that look like if we demonstrated all those things? So we'll just go through that list again. It could be one of God's love and hospitality. It could be of love and hospitality. Me and Hannah, we love to travel, um, particularly before the children. We do still do a little bit now, but we went to Singapore before we had the children. And we were there for some time. And so we went to church on one of the Sundays we were there. And in Singapore, they have some quite large churches. So we thought, we go to this quite large church, we'll just slip in, we'll worship Jesus, and then we'll carry on with exploring the city. Anyway, this, this family came and sat next door to us, and they just got chatting to us, and we chatted to them. After the service, we were like quickly getting our bags after the blessing, like, let's go, let's explore the city. And this family stopped us and said, would, would, you, would you like to come and have a meal with us? And we thought, oh, okay, yeah, great. We told them that we were tourists, and that was obvious anyway. We were told them that we were Christians, but they said, would you like to come and have a meal with us? So we said, oh, that would be lovely, yes, please, thank you. So they took us to this local restaurant. Not only did the family come, they had invited three other families to be with us all. They ordered more food than I can possibly describe. They wanted us to try all their local cuisines, It was one of the best Sundays I have ever had. We felt so welcome in that place. They lavished us with God's love. They lavished us with hospitality. What could our community be like if we practiced that? This is a quote from a book that I read in preparation for this talk. It says this, God calls Christians to practice hospitality in order to build loving Christian communities, to build nightly table fellowship with fellow image bearers, to ease the pain of orphanhood, widowhood and prison, the gospel call that renders strangers into neighbours, into the family of God is all pretty straight up when you read the Bible. And it requires both hosts and guests. Not just one or the other, as giving and receiving are good and sacred and connect people and communities in important ways. We are called to demonstrate God's love to us as a community. And also as a consequence, even though I'm not touching on it today, those outside of our community as well. But for now, we are called to show love and hospitality to one another. Romans 12, 13 says this, When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. What would it look like if we as a community broke down social boundaries, social barriers between each of us? 
I am as guilty as us all in this. It is so easy to spend time around the table with people who are like us, isn't it? It's so much easier if we, as I say, me, me and Hannah and the kids, we invite someone round who's in the same life position as us, who also has kids, who can play with our kids, where we can have sort of a level conversation about work and life and other things. That is so easy. What is not easy is for us to invite someone who is different from us. That is not easy. And I am as guilty as us all in this. But if we want to practice the way of Jesus, he calls us to break down these social barriers. When was the last time you invited somebody into your house who was radically different from you? When was the last time, if you are a single person maybe, when was the last time you invited a family round with young kids? Because that changes the dynamics of a meal, doesn't it? Food is flung in your nice house. Yeah? Kids don't play by the same adult rules that we adhere to. Equally, families, when was the last time you invited somebody round who was maybe a bit older than yourself? Maybe a sort of a grandparent figure who is lonely, who maybe tells you the same stories over and over again. I don't say that in jest, I say that in love. When was the last time you did that? Because that is not as easy. When was the last time you invited someone from this community that was different to yourself? I leave you with that challenge. What about one where gospel values can be demonstrated? These are two verses of scripture. Isaiah 58, verse 7 says, Share your food with the hungry. Luke 3.11 says, whoever has food, share it. There are people within this community who are really struggling. Who actually, if you said to them, would you like to come and eat a meal with me? That would really help them out. Would you like to come and share fellowship with me? That would really help them. Both in giving them a meal, but both in having fellowship with you, having love with you, breaking down those social barriers and showing gospel values. Where are we going to be ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven? Before I met Hannah, uh, I went to Madagascar on a sort of short-term mission trip and I stayed with a family for three weeks when I was there. This family was incredibly poor. And the meals that we had, we had the same meal for breakfast, lunch and dinner. And it was rice with beans and pulses. And even though 
They were living on the breadline. They firstly hosted me, but secondly, it seemed like every single meal there was a different member of the community who was even less well-off than themselves eating around their table. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how far the food stretched and how generous they were with the little that they had. Where are we called as a community to show gospel values to each other? Now, don't hear me in all this that we are not called to eat with our friends. Jesus ate with friends. He ate with his friends all the time. And that is part of this. We are called to eat with friends. But how do we use that time? How do we use the time where we're inviting people that it is comfortable for us to be with? I would suggest, like Mary and Martha, we use it for reconciliation if that needs to happen. For forgiveness. For moving in unity with one another. It's very difficult to sit across a table from someone if you're annoyed with them in silence, isn't it? It's not the best meal time. I went on this silent retreat once, which for, if you know me, I don't particularly do silence very often. And the meal times were silent. You had to sit across from people, eating, looking at them. (laughs) If they had the salt or the pepper, it was a bit of an awkward ask because you had to be quiet. It doesn't work. So yes, eat with friends, but say you have friends who actually you need to reconcile with, you need to forgive them, do it around the table. Because that will enable you to be unified once more. And then lastly, what about discipling one another? What about discipling one another? Getting alongside people and over over meal, over food, opening scripture, praying, discipling them. Gather people who are slightly less mature in their faith than maybe you are or more mature in their faith than you are so you can learn from them and teach them. Use the opportunities of a meal to disciple people. It's great that this has been put together for today, this pamphlet on missional communities and small groups. A number of these will eat together because they understand the gospel value of eating together. But... If eating together is a bit of a stretch for now, why don't you join a community where some of these values can be demonstrated? God's love can be demonstrated. You sit around a living room with people that are not necessarily like you, where gospel values are demonstrated, where you can build up friends and where you can be discipled. I would leave that as my final challenge to you. So, we have the 100 Meals initiative, don't we? Are you going to invite people who are just like you to one of your meals that you are going to host? Or are you going to see this as a challenge to demonstrate God's love to somebody who maybe you never had before? To break down a social barrier of some description that makes the meal less easy than it might have done, 
but that demonstrates gospel values, that you can build friendships with that person or persons, and maybe you can disciple one another as you do. What is the potential of your table within this community? Shall we stand? Because we're going to pray and we're going to worship together. I'm just going to pray for us. Lord, I pray that we use our tables for the glory of your kingdom. For the building up of this community. One of our parts of the vision, Lord, that we believe you have set before us. Lord, may we demonstrate gospel values. May we break down social barriers. May we show your love to those who eat alongside of us. May we become friends with them. May you show us how to use our table for our and their discipleship. Lord, challenge us in the potential of our table. In your name. Amen.